to another episode of the 10 Frame Podcast for Emerging Artists. My name is Kelly Thompson, and you can find me at kellythompsonart.com or on Instagram at kellyktompsonart. I'm Kevin Kirkwood, and you can find me at kevinwillpaint.com or my Instagram handle is kevinwillpaint. Kevin and I will be having a two-person show opening on Friday, May the 26th that runs through Sunday, May the 28th at the Southern Motors Building at 402 Broughton Street in downtown Savannah, next to Blix Art Supplies. The opening reception will be Friday, May the 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. We hope to see you all there. The 10 Frame Now has a patrons page on our website where anyone can contribute to the podcast to help us cover associated costs so we can continue to share our conversations from the artistic community with you. The website is the10frame.podbean.com. Thank you in advance. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. Today we are talking with Jimmy Butcher, a Savannah artist. Uh, he's been here since 2003, multifaceted artist. And today we're going to focus on um, some of his paintings and some other creative endeavors that he's focused on. So, Jimmy, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for letting us come into your space. And uh, I see some work behind you. Is this is this all yeah. your creations right yeah. here? Yeah, most of it's mine. Um, yeah, and first of all, I want to say thanks for having me. Of course, I, you know, yeah, man. I love any opportunity to talk about, you know, what what's what in, in my, you know, creative mind and, and uh, artistic profession because um, it's ever-changing, I think. It's a moving target, even for me. Yeah, so um, before we get started, we'd like to go ahead and, and give information about where people can find you. So, um, um, <clears throat> JimmyButcher.com, pretty easy. Um, you can really find a pretty vast array of everything I'm working on there. And, uh, of course, on Instagram, at the Butcher brand. And um, I have another one called 10 High Fives, but everything's really kind of funneling into the Butcher brand. And, uh, you know, that's that's primarily the best places to find me so awesome where um where's your focus right now what are you are, are you painting are you in a studio right now or i mean creatively where are you focused uh, most of your attention on uh focus is the most difficult thing in my life so <laughs> uh, my career is you're in the right podcast because yeah. this is the uh attention deficit disorder yeah group. i think that would be a great name for the podcast yeah, i maybe, think you're right you know but i uh, think about changing that up yeah i don't know um my my career is is as spastic as my attention span is and so um the never-ending question is what am i focusing on right now so um i'm currently uh still tattooing um uh for usually three or four days a week um for a portion of the day and then uh i'm designing i'm a creative designer for a clothing brand based out of new york um they just closed down their their brick and mortar uh store in in manhattan and now everything's online um so i'm doing that more than part-time um is it is it graphic based um, yeah, a lot of graphic design stuff. Uh, it's when I say creative design, which is what I often kind of present myself as. It's really a, a way of me allowing myself to to kind of. I do everything from illustration to uh, to working with fonts to sometimes motion graphics for the brand. Um, 
you know, photo manipulation, whatever it is. So a lot of different types of things, just basically um, creative concepts and then helping develop those concepts into, you know, certain pieces. And, and so sometimes it's just like, hey, this we're doing a uh, collaboration with this group that puts on these rave parties in New York City and we need to make something really interesting. And this is kind of where we're leaning where are we going to go with this? And it's everything from developing a, a font and an image and that kind of stuff. So, and it's, and it's really loud, wild streetwear stuff. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of screen printing and then embroidering and then cut and sew. And, and it's, there's a, a lot involved. So, um, what's the name of the company? It's called B wood. B wood. Yeah. Um, is that the letter B? Yeah. Just B. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then just wood. Um, when you say streetwear, do you? I see some spray paint. Is that part of your your painting um, body of work too? Do you use spray paint in your work, or is that? Yeah, it depends on it. It depends on the on the body of work. I mean, it really. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, and and I think I've gotten, as we mentioned, ADD. I think I've gotten a little bit worse about that as I've gotten older. So. Um, when I paint, when I'm working on stuff for myself, it, it, I, it, I tend to want to do it really fast. So I've started to move toward spray paints and acrylics. Um, some of the effects in this, in this painting behind me um, are because I'm spray painting over wet spray paint, the crackles and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so I started to kind of develop a little bit of a style around this um, really kind of spastic like wet paint over wet paint but with fast drying materials um, because a lot of times it's, it's, I just kind of need to get these concepts out and build over top of it and, and get something there and work with it. I just, I just don't have any patience for painting anymore. And, and I love doing it. Um, what, what's the substrate that you commonly lean to, to like, is it only canvas or do you like my fit, my favorite watercolor paper or just my, anything? My um, absolute favorite is watercolor. Yeah. And it, it you know blows people's minds because I they, they know me as this designer or this illustrator or tattooer or whatever and I tell them like I, I watercolors thing for me and they're like whoa I don't what you know you like, can stack it afterwards or it's easy to store I guess it's like if you have a collection of, or a body of work yeah it's fast yeah it's, it's fast, fast. Right, right. and it's and it can be really and I I like the um. The, the washy, sketchy nature of it allows me to um, create imagery that that feels like it has the energy that I'm trying to to get across. If that makes any sense, like uh, whether it's with the line or the or the uh, the kind of rough shapes, you know, you can layer the colors on top of each other and, and they dry in these like you know kind of separate shapes sometimes, and it and it creates a little more a little bit of chaos. Um, and I like that element, you know. How would you describe the language, the your painting, the the outcome? Is it like poppy street art, or those are my words? But I think maybe pop surrealism. Surrealism is is probably what I would where I'd describe my favorite work. Some mm -hmm. of the stuff we're looking at here is is a little bit older. Um, yeah, I saw a piece that you posted on Instagram. It was uh, it almost looked like a politician with his mouth open with a bunch of gun barrels sticking out, and um, looked like watercolor or a yep. wash with maybe pen and ink over top of it or some yep. you know a black line over top of it. Yeah, there's a watercolor piece. Yeah, um, that's actually my favorite 
work. I mean, when I'm when I'm working in a more reactionary uh, kind of way, uh, socio-political, you know, social issues, that kind of thing. Um, and you said, what is the language? What, where I'm currently at, I think we all, let me back up a little bit and say that I, th- I think in, in, in any art career, painting or illustrating or whatever, that we often get to a point where we, we start to, or we need to challenge ourselves to unlearn uh, the, the concept of being impressive and start to really learn how to be expressive. So f- for so long, it's, especially when you're making a living at, at art or you're working commercially, it's really important to, to uh, let your demographic and your people know that you're good at what you do. And uh, there's always been this other part of me that's like, I don't have any interest in really doing that that much. I don't need to show you that I can create this thing and, and you know, create realism or, or hyper-realism or whatever it is. So in the last couple of years, I've, I've tried to kind of break down that barrier and go back to that. I'd rather show you how I feel than, than what I see. Is that difficult? Yeah. To, I, I, I'm the same way. It's hard to just paint emotion, like what's on the sleeve. Um, Yeah. It's what's hard about it is is, is just not being honest like you're not having a good day today or you're having a great day just like that being honest with yourself and then trying to convey is that kind of what you're saying a bit I, I think what's hard about it is is telling myself that it's okay to, to show people something that that they may not deem as good because it doesn't fit the you know, mold of like, well, that's, that looks like a thing in reality or that looks like, so kind of what I'm saying is a lot of times when I'm thinking about political things or social things, or, you know, if I go downtown on a, on a Friday night and I see people like, you know, barfing in the bushes and, you know, uh, uh, bachelorettes, you know, just, it, on that would absolute, be any day that you yeah, go downtown right? on, on their absolute worst behavior. Yeah. Um, these are things when we when we create satirical artwork, which I often do, satire, as I was I was just telling someone at the coffee shop down the street, is is more about making a statement about something that we see in our world, not that we think we're better than or that we think is absolutely disgusting, but that we really wish was better, that we really wish we could see in a in a different light. So oftentimes, out of frustration or you know whatever, we're we're depicting it as as ridiculous as we see it. To give other people the perspectives that we would like to see it less ridiculous. Yeah, you're exaggerating it to make a point. So, I'm trying to unlearn the the drawing. I don't want to show you a perfect replica of what I'm seeing downtown and hope that you feel the same way. I want to draw it so poorly that when you see it, you're like, what a stupid drawing. And the feeling that you have is the same way I felt when I saw a stupid scene so when you're like oh this is well, who drew this a drunk five-year-old yeah. that i think evokes the same kind of feeling that i felt when i saw these people and i was like they're acting like drunk five-year-olds this is crazy so uh, it's not that i don't uh, that i have a hard time creating that because I, I that just comes out of me it just flows out of me i have a hard time presenting that for fear that people will be like wow jimmy butcher doesn't know how to draw 
He put seven fingers on this person and three elbows. This guy's either crazy or an idiot. I don't know. I think that, to me, shows maturity in an artist. I mean, you obviously have a, a background. You've been trained, right? You have, you have a BA? Yeah, I have a BA in painting. In painting, right? So I think, like you said, unlearning some of those things pushes you in new directions because you're, you're not trying to fit a mold, right? You're trying to just do um, creatively what's coming out of you as opposed to trying to fit in some kind of a box. Yeah, yeah, which, which is harder every single day in a social media world that tells us, you know, show everyone your box. <laughs> you know? or, or pretty it up to put it on, you know, social yeah. media so everybody looks how, everybody can see how perfect your, your world is, right? Yeah, and then you become extremely one-dimensional. Yeah. And everybody's a brand and everyone's marketing this very singular brand and they're like, look at me, I'm the one who does this one-dimensional thing that everybody knows me, you know. I wear, you know, I wear goofy socks every day or, you know, I do blue paintings every single day and sometimes I take my shirt off in front of them or whatever it is, you know, it's like, and we reduce ourselves to that. And I'm, I'm, it's been in my nature my whole life to, to buck whatever is working, <laughs> I guess, for people and try and really try to like push, you know, push outside of that and do, and do something different, which sometimes makes life a little more difficult, but. So I guess the obvious question would be, where do you want to take your work? Or where, you know, five years from now, or what do you want to see? Um, also, the, the other never-ending question is, is that. I, I think something I've, I've been pretty bad at, you know, my whole life is, is that, like, answering that five-year question or that 10-year question or that whatever it is. I really envy people who have such a clear vision of of how how to do that and so i i don't know what it looks like i'm certainly in a transitionary period now as an artist but i can tell you the most important thing going forward to me is that i'm working with people who are more interested in my creative mind than my creative ability because in certain facets of my life, professional life for the past 20 years, um, it hasn't, that's, that has certainly not been what I felt like I've been appreciated for. And it's important for me. So if it's creative directing or creative collaborating, I, I would love to be part of teams that want to say, hey, what do you think about this? You know? Yeah. And you said, you're in a transitionary period. Just can you elaborate on that a little bit? What spurred this trans transition, and what are you transitioning, f you know, from, or where do you feel like you're moving away from, or where are you moving to? What's what's this transition look like? Um, <clears throat> that's a that's a good question, I guess, because on the surface, I you know I, I've I've been a professional tattooer in Savannah for 20 years. Um, I'm, I'm moving away from that title. It doesn't mean that I'm moving away from tattooing, um, but I'm moving away from that title. I don't really, I, re I don't really like that as an identity. I want my identity to be a creative professional, a creative artist. 
And I want to be able to do that whenever I feel like it because it's certainly something that's in my bag now. I've you know put in my 10,000 hours. I have it. I can take it anywhere with me. I would like to do it when I enjoy it, when I want to. Um, and then I guess on a more, you know, kind of like personal, mental, emotional level, I'm, I'm moving more into that. I guess the I guess the next stage of of being an, an adult artist is is really trying to hone in on on what you're best at and and funnel that to the world in a way that that really fulfills you the most and also you know helps you create a living. But for me, I think it's concepts and I think it's the way I think and the way I see life i'm an analytical thinker and so my work really represents that and i'm trying to create a platform and a career around helping people understand that about what i'm creating and and hopefully collaborating with people on those ideas and and meeting more people that have those similar perspectives so i'm also kind of in a transition period too. I, my background is in architecture and I'm trying to, um, I'm, I paint, obviously I paint, that's what I'm going to SCAD for, but um, I'm also doing installation-based um, ex exhibitions and, or projection, video projections, basically is my, my bag. And I could easily go back into architecture, like a, the finish line for my MFA is coming up, and I'm, maybe I'm drawing a parallel to where you're at, you know, also for me, it's like, oh, I, I know that I could do that, but I also want to explore kind of the unknown and the, do you have any tips for, you know, what you, what you do in your process of creating to try to be like a, a consultant or, you know, that kind of world? Instead of just you know a tattoo artist, you're creative directing. You're it's it's knowing it's well. I I, I kind of want to speak to that a little bit because sure. first of all, what you said is is you you know drawing a parallel, which is kind of an important thing for me to be able to like sit in a room and talk to people who can and be honest about where I am and hopefully have people draw parallels to that and. And say, hey, I kind of, I kind of get that. Let's talk more about that and be more open about that as artists. And yeah. say, hey, I, I'm good at this thing, but I, I don't like it. Right. That's a really important thing I think for us to be able to say. And I think that's something that maybe our age group or um, in certain, I know they do this in, I know they do this in SCAD. Um, my mentors have told me this in the past. Getting out of this idea that you should because you can is is such a difficult task in, in it's safe right you know what's yeah. safe and comfortable yeah it could be comfortable yeah so it's like uh, you if someone says hey well you you can do architecture and this is the world you could be in and this is the life you could have and your brain says well i can so i should but your heart says i don't really want to and that's a battle I think we all have that battle a little bit. It's like, you know, your cousin says, hey, can you draw this thing for me? And you, and you think, I certainly could, but I don't want to because I have other things going on. Right. You know, so it's, it's, that's, a, that's certainly a, a, 
a foundation of what's happening with me and also like you know what pushes me forward so you just um, have to set goals and at- obtainable ones or is it obtainable or attainable i think it's attainable i think it's both maybe attainable we'll go with that <laughs> We don't have a dictionary here, so I mean, I who cares? We know what you're talking about. A goal. We you, set small goals. We'll start there. Set small goals that you can achieve, and hopefully they'll get you to work. No, set things. super huge goals. Well, yeah. And then settle for everything that falls just okay, below it. Yeah. I, 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 years ago, I came up with this idea as like, uh, think about this. Like a high, how does a high jumper train? A high jumper sets the bar and then learns to jump over the bar. A high jumper doesn't just practice jumping high with no bar, right? So you would never see a high jumper just running and jumping on the mat. Right. You have to set it up yeah. to, to, to actually like get over it. I think oftentimes I'll set the, that high bar like 50 feet in the air, and if I don't set it like what you're saying, uh-huh. maybe like, I don't even know what they put the the high bar and jumping me neither I don't know anything about high jumping really it's just know that they don't do way it. higher than we can get to yeah right so I guess what I was trying to say is if you set the you know just beyond your reach but you know that you want to get to that 50 foot mark or whatever like yeah each time you, you get stronger and better and, and wiser and I also think that the three of us are kind of in a similar place where we've done other things I was a graphic designer for 20 years I made a change to come to SCAD to pursue fine art painting. We also have the experience of knowing what we don't want to do, right? You've mm-hmm. been doing, maybe it's not that you don't ever want to do it, but that's not what you want to spend the rest of your you know, career doing. Mm-hmm. So passing that along, I think, is, is good for people that maybe don't want to be in a 20-year place where they're doing something, like you said, because they can. Yeah. But... Before you get into that, maybe follow a little bit more of your passion and see where that leads you, even if it is a little bit more risky or a lot more risky. Well, yeah, and I, and I think it's important to also be open to the fact that you may find that the thing that you thought you really wanted to do isn't, and that's okay, and you don't have to stick to that. You know, it's like, as a matter of fact, you have to do a lot of these jobs to figure out what you don't want to do. That's some, what drives me nuts about some young artists that I, I meet now, whether no matter what medium they're in, oftentimes they're like, well, you know, everybody seems to like these little cats that I draw, you know, and, and I'm like, well, that's seems to be working for you on Instagram or whatever. But like, how did you get to cats? How many other styles did you try or how many other, you know, jobs have you had, uh, you know, that, that got you here? Well, none. This is this is already working for me, and we were we were taught how do you develop a style? You try every style, and you keep the things that you know, and that you like, and you discard the things that you don't like. And when you've come full circle, now you have you've tried it all. And now you have this style that's uniquely yours with all the parts. And it's the same way with careers. It's the same way with like, well, I know what I like about graphic design. There was a time when I was when I was young, I wanted to work for MTV. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to grow up and work for MTV and what be. What did you want to do there? I don't know. Anything. Anything. Right. I grew up, you know, so far removed from that world that it was it was it was so romanticized in my in my mind and in my life. It was like I, you know, um, 
I don't know, art, graphic design. Uh, I didn't even know what graphic design was. We, we can, I can tell you a story about that. But I, I thought, I don't know, creative design. Now I, I know that to be a, a term that I use a lot. Who knows? But I wanted to see something that I was creating in that world, in that like pop culture of like cool and hip hop culture and that kind of thing that, that inspired me. Well, that doesn't that does not that's not a thing anymore, you know. Also, there was a time when I really thought, man, you know what I'd love to do? Album covers. I thought, what a what a job. And I did my first album cover in t- two thousand for like a major record label. Right. Um, and that was a bigger deal then than it is now because no one gives a shit about album art anymore. It's just thumbnails. And there's no money. Right. There's no money in it. Nobody wants to pay anybody to yeah, do it. Yeah, back in the day, that was half the fun of buying an album. Yeah. Was, you know, remember the Boston? Remember all those? Yeah. The Eagles? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Everything. You can go over to the record store right now and, and 99% of those records are going to blow your mind visually bad or good whatever's going on inside them you know but that was also this thing that i thought i wanted that i got a taste of and i've done some you know you can go on spotify and see 30 album covers i've done which is interesting but it's it it wasn't that thing it wasn't the thing you know um mtv wasn't the thing uh tattooing isn't the thing there i don't really think there is a thing and i think a lot of times art school students or young people are often like can't wait till i get the thing you know, um, it, it, right after school, can't wait till I start my you know apprenticeship at a, I don't know, you know, Vans or something. That's it. I'm gonna be the thing. You might get there and be like, wow, I don't like this at all. And I think that that's it's really important to be open to the fact that that's probably going to happen, but it's going to make you a better artist, a better designer, better business person, all these things. You have to be aware that you don't like it and honest with yourself and have the courage to move into the different direction that those are things that most so many people don't do like i mean i worked in offices for several years where people it's like man just go out that door and just don't come back yeah not because you're not a great person or you don't do great work but your heart isn't in it man and that's okay just go do what you want to do it's a difficult thing i think for many people to yeah, and I think even for artists, you know, you've met artists before that do it because maybe they're good at it or they, they got good feedback or appreciation from other people, but maybe they're just not, you know, if if you if you really want to be a full-time artist, I mean, you have to love it. You know, it can't be just because you want to get paid. And I think um, I've met a lot of artists like that who... Who do it maybe they are good at it but it's just you know it's the same thing their heart's not in it yeah i mean i think you either have to love it or you have to be like obsessed with saying something and being heard i i think that there's a and then there's a marriage of those two things so there there's the there's the more i guess the more toxic part of like i have something to say this is important. I don't know why you, whatever's happening in my brain I think is important, but it's important. And then there's the, That's like, how Twitter became famous. Well, no, I, I, I felt like that my whole life. You know, and I think, oh yeah, it is how Twitter became famous because people do feel that way. But, and then there's that, there's a marriage. And, and being an artist is finding, is 
understanding that voice or listening to that voice and then also finding that that vehicle whatever it is that you enjoy telling that story with and and that can change sometimes that can change you know but like um it's always searching for that it's always searching for that because there's harmony in that it's balance one is a really like um kind of kind of almost like dangerous energy that's really just like oh why won't you listen to me and there's the other one is that like meditative part of finding that groove and like oh now i'm getting it out and i'm telling you this story and when we and when those when the jekyll and hyde meet in the middle it new it's neutralized and now you can you can get the point hopefully yeah and i think again that comes with maturity that comes with doing lots of other things bringing all of your experiences to the table realizing you know what works for you if to get you to that place you know um some people pull from you know maybe music is an influence for them and that's that's where they find their inspiration um but they're not gonna maybe they don't know that right away mm-hmm. so i think i think it just you know it has to do with um just putting it out there first and see what happens um and i don't know that you ever get past that you know i think you're always bringing new experience and new um new ideas to the table hopefully hopefully yeah when you stop you know when you stop is when you start growing as an artist you know when you're like oh whatever yeah i just you know i just draw this thing for the rest of my life i'll do it in different colors you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah which Um, is you know whatever yeah i mean some people make Ten million dollars on a painting for just painting the same thing over and over and over again. That's just about the money. Maybe. I mean, we have to. And I guarantee the three of us would do that. If that was <laughs> if the numbers were. I mean, ten million dollar painting. I'd, I'd find the this headspace to get through that day. I think. I'd like to experience that because maybe I would throw that away later. You know, we're like, well, I did that. You know. Yeah, I mean, Which, I think I mean, there's. The thing about, and you're talking, you're talking about the fine art world, and I think that there's a the the most interesting and exciting thing about the fine art world is that it's completely absurd, and that at any moment it could be any of us, and so and there's some asshole in New York or Paris or whatever who wakes up every morning and decides who's going to be cool next, for uh, with with quote-unquote experience in this right but really but really they're just making shit up so when they're like oh you know i I don't know this i like this red for this week this is the dude it could be anyone and that's as exciting as it is horrifying and i think that that's how we should look at it and be able to like you know accept the absurdity of the absurdity of it and say hey it's a lottery we could we could all win it you know just keep working hard keep doing your thing and well right. and maybe like meet that person and sleep with them or something but <laughs> it is all about who you know and how you know them it is right? it, well not necessarily how you know them, but it is it is about and that's something that i've learned over the past few years is um one of the most difficult things about about being an independent creative is putting yourself in rooms reading the rooms that goes back to a, a question that you asked about, you know, advice about how to, 
you know, kind of, uh, I don't remember the, the actual question, but something about like kind of nurturing that, you know, creative career. Um, it's not just about reading the rooms, but it's about choosing the rooms. And then, um, and, and then determining how you, how you fit in and how to play it. So talk more about what you mean. So choosing the room, what do you mean? So, uh, you know, I, maybe I want to work with, um, you know, Pharrell. How do I get in the room? Who do I need to know to put me in this room to be on this guy's creative team? And what, which parts of me are most valuable to that team, to that room? And as multifaceted artists, we have to be able to, to identify, when I walk in this room, I'm not a painter. When I walk in this room, I'm not a tattoo artist. It doesn't mean that I don't do those things and they're not a part of me as a creative entity, but where do I focus my value? It's how you carry yourself in that room with the conversations that you want to carry. And what right? you present. Right. Yeah. So when you come in the room and people say, hey, and it's, 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 it's really about, you know, it's a strategy game. You come in and you say, hey, I'm a creative designer. I'm here to help on this project, whatever it is. I don't know. You, maybe you're launching a... Maybe or maybe it's a movie or a music video or a uh, whatever it is. So, okay, what do you do? I'm a creative designer. First question. I've I've done this um, on some you know pretty big exciting project. But I'm a creative designer. What does that mean? That's a great question. First, I got a question, which is important. Second. You're I don't know. You're in the room. I'm in the, the room. Question. I got the question. And what does that mean? What do you need? Oh, well, we've got these guys working on this project, this working on it. What, 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 do you, what can you do? Well, I can do graphic design. I can do illustration. You need conceptual design. You know, in this certain, uh, you know, specific situation, the first thing I was on was like sitting with the architecture team, conceptualizing a recording studio from... I don't know shit about designing a recording studio, but I know about uh, coming up with a creative Feeling what feels good. What yeah, and working good. with a creative team about like coming up with ideas. So this guy knows how to like you know make sure that the that corners are all square and everything works and the you know, sound bounces off the right places and this kind of thing. But I know about creating an environment vibe that feels yeah. different. Like so, what did I? You know, my concept was like, hey, let's create this this concept that's like the. The universe is uh, theoretically shaped like a peanut, and it's, it kind of mimics the the uh, infinity symbol. And this artist in particular is very interested in this, so let's create this this shape and 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 build on elements within this space that look like this, that kind of uh, kind of mimic this idea of infinite sound and infinite uh, universes and this kind of, you know, I, but I just pull all that out of my ass. Not because I was lying or making things up, but because that's how You're my living. and I'm being creative, yeah. and it allowed me to go. So when I was the next project, I was doing motion graphics. I was doing, um, I was doing uh, photo manipulation. I was doing photo editing. I spent a week just doing all kinds of random stuff, and that's and I felt really valuable, and I felt really like because I didn't say I didn't say well you know I'm a sneaker designer. Well, I think. A, a good takeaway from that is you ask the question, right? You're not giving them a blanket answer. You went in wanting to know 
you wanted to get into their headspace, right? You wanted to know what, you know, what, what do, do you, you want? What yeah. do you need? Yeah. I think that's an important thing for even if you're um, you're a painter and you're working with a gallery or you're, you're, you're talking to some collector. You're like, well, what are you going to where do you want to put it? What are you going to do with it? Do you have a big space for it? Um, you know, there's asking those questions and understanding who you're because they're all customers at some point. Right. They're, they're creative yeah. customers. They're, they're going to pay you for a service or, or you know, maybe you're building a relationship. Um, but finding out about that and even to find that customer. You said, you know, you just pulled Pharrell out of the hat. But, you know, whoever it is, you know, you you seek them out. But you, you're going to you're going to gather some information about them first before you go to that room or wherever that place mm-hmm. is where you're going to meet them. Right. And that's part of that relationship building yeah. is learning okay how do I how do I start this relationship if you start off on the wrong foot if you walk in you know if you walk into a fashion house in LA and say I'm a tattoo artist nobody's nobody's going to talk to you because you they don't think you know anything about what's happening there so what do you talk about so you go in and say I'm a creative designer and they're like oh cool right. what's that right. and I'm like oh what do you need <laughs> That's how it goes. And then they're like, well, we're putting stripes on this dress over here. What do you think about blue? And now you're in the conversation. You know, if you let people, you got to let people wonder what you have to offer sometimes instead of showing up and being like, hey, this is, put me in this box because they're going to put you in this room. They're going to put you in this room and say, oh, you're that. So, you know, we'll see you at the end of the day. You do that thing. That's what I, that's where I'm getting to. So that's kind of the answer to, to the question of where am I going? I'm, I'm breaking down all the boxes and that's kind of, I, that's where I see myself is, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm hired on a project for, you know, uh, you know, a club at a hotel. And they're like, we don't know anything about how to make this thing cool. What makes cool? And I would love to have like a budget to come in and say, hey, well, let's let's do this and let's let's do some digital art here. Let's create some like, you know, some like moving things and, and um, some interactive like art space kind of what, who knows? Who knows? What do you need? That's the thing. What do you need? I I have so many ideas always and I may not have all the resources or I have a lot of resources, but I, I may not have all the skill set to do everything you need. So it would benefit me more to be part of a, a group or a team where I had those, you know, I could reach out to those resources and say, well, I can't do this, but I can give you the concept for it and we can hire this person and we can bring in this team and we can build something that's really exciting, really interesting for people who can't see that. So. Do you think it's difficult to find those rooms or those communities in Savannah? Or yes. are you constantly going to LA, going to New York, or some other space that allows you to have those conversations? When I go to New York and and, I, and people say, what do you do? And I tell them I'm an artist, they, they're curious. Mm-hmm. And I get to tell them all the, and you know, we get to talk about, oh, well, I, like the way we're talking now, I get to talk about creativity and I get to talk about art. In Savannah, I've been known as a tattoo artist for 20 years. So when I go into a room and I say, I'm an artist, everybody goes, well, we know what you are. And it's been problematic for me for a long time. Now, I had a shop on Bay Street for 12 years. And um, we had gallery shows that packed 400 people in there sometimes. you know, And, and we really were a competitive force. At one of Savannah's most ex- exciting times as far as gallery go- galleries go since I've been here, 
and it was still kind of we we're still getting called an alternative gallery i was still getting called like a tattoo artist that's doing you know it was mm -hmm. like like when do i get to be integrated into this into this scene so i find it personally difficult to to feel that way here but i can't say that i think that there's anything wrong with the community in this city that's this is my own battle and yeah, I, I can understand i was just curious like how so if if you for somebody like myself i'm trying to get out you know get my story out also so i can broaden my so i don't have to go back to architecture yeah but um i'm saying that kind of jokingly because i probably will but um how do you get into those conversations i think is the question i'll get to it how do you get into those rooms how do you get to new york conversate you know conversations with new york or la or uh just you gotta spend a lot of money. Yeah. You gotta spend a lot of money of your own, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I used to say this. I, you identify the people that you want to talk to, you want to work with. You know, for me, I've been inspired by hip hop my whole life, so it's it's always kind of been hip hop or hip hop adjacent to some degree where I wanted to kind of like be in this room. And hip hop has evolved from, you know, the dancing and DJing and and MCing and to streetwear fashion, to architecture, to, I mean, literally it's like hip hop rules the world. So as it gets bigger there, my options kind of expand. So I identify the people that I want to be in the room with. And a lot of times I exhaust every possibility of getting in that room. And I tell people, you uh, think of it as a conversation, you kind of interject yourself in that conversation, I don't know, two or three times, theoretically. And if, if it doesn't work, try it one more time. And if it doesn't catch, that's how you identify who's not for you. And I think that's a really important thing. That's why I would tell young people too, is that because it seems when you're telling someone, hey, try to shoulder your way into this world that you wanna be in, what it sounds like is I want to mold and manipulate myself to fit in this thing that I want. What it actually is, I want to put myself in there and see if the feedback is, if they like what I bring in as it is. You want to be in a room where you thrive, right? You yeah. Want, you want yeah. To, I don't have any interest in manipulating myself to fit in. So I'll try and I'll try. And sometimes I don't fit in. And I'm like, okay, then this isn't for me. I don't ever think... How at this point, how do I how do I manipulate myself to become more of what these people want? I that's when I back out and say, these people don't see me as valuable, so I don't need to stay. I'll move on to the next project. Yeah. You know, I know you DJ as well, correct? Mm -hmm. You still do that, or yeah, uh, turntablist, I guess would be the, the best way to kind of describe it at this point. Right. Um, it, it's I've been practicing scratching technically like scratching for years uh probably going on almost 10 years now um and just recently i've kind of started like djing uh you know which is blending and mixing and that kind of thing so it's funny because for years people were trying to hire me for djing gigs and stuff and i try to explain to them i know you saw this on instagram but i'm not actually the kind of dj you think i am like i just scratch records it's not a common 
knowledge for people to really know like breakdown of all the different elements of like DJing or whatever but um, I am inspired by all things hip-hop and that's certainly one of the things that has always inspired me and, and, and I was able to you know kind of find a love for that and and it's growing I mean it's uh, you know I have a DJ gig coming up next weekend and I am going to be DJing a little bit and I've, I've backed up some rappers before and um, that's a different type of DJing too so you're you know you're you're playing their beats and you're cutting and you know the performance and you know when to cut it off you know when to use a filter and you know when you you know it's like that's a performance aspect of it that's separate than just playing a set of songs but it's also very creative yes i mean that's layering you're layering sounds and beats and you know samples or whatever you're you're doing to me that's that's like creating a painting you know you're curating a a vibe in a room that's what you're doing it is sonically it is and i've been thinking a lot about that lately and it's i've i'm trying to allow myself to be more comfortable with saying like i guess my whole life i've thought well i'm I'm not not part of music you know all my friends are musicians and i've always been the visual artist and i was like well i'm not really part of music but when somebody asked me the other day like what do you really want to spend your time doing the most of your time and i my answer was creating music fits in that for sure yeah and and i do i've done a little bit of production and some you know i love sampling like you know like back in the 90s and 80s when they used to you know really you know crate dig and pick samples and and cut things up mix make make mixtapes and um that kind of stuff is i have a passion for that and it really coincides with you know the same energy that that i create my visual art with art with so if you had one crate and you're like let's say the top three albums that you would combine or mix what would it be (coughs) what's what's the vibe of the room that you want to set if you were doing a dj set like the perfect is it jazz with you know people rapping on top of it or is it what talk about that maybe probably i mean it's early night it's like 1993 like hip-hop and funk i mean a lot of my favorite hip-hop was inspired by funk um you know it's yeah it's funk and soul and and you know early early 90s hip-hop it's that you know that classic boom bap you know and a little bit of that like when things started to change a little bit commercially you know uh tupac was a big was was big for me when i was young um and before tupac was digital underground you know it's one of my favorites um before digital underground was de la soul that was exciting a couple of weeks ago that they put all their stuff online right yeah yeah i wanted i wanted to figure out a way to like but you know it's like i when was the last time you when was the last time you put an album on your iPhone? Like you went into iTunes and like added it, it yeah. right? Well, I did this, you know, last year or whatever, and I put I so I, I've had all the De La albums on my like in my iTunes on my phone uh, forever. And I I was like trying to figure out a way to brag about that. Like dude, whatever, dude. Yeah. Whatever, dude. I already have all of it. Been jamming to Were it. Were you like, an Outcast fan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got um as a graphic designer, I worked on a um, marketing campaign for a college up in the Northeast. And I got to do all the photography for all the marketing for an entire year. And I was 
on ground when Outcast came, and I got to go to the show and set up. They had a two-story speaker riser at the very middle of the venue, uh-huh. and I got to sit. I I got to pick where I wanted to be. So I, we set up our whole crew on the top of this riser and got to watch the the show from up there. It was nice, great show. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, uh, I met I met Dre a couple times, yeah. and I've been to uh, Stankonia Studios, um, and uh, it, which was, you know, a bit underwhelming. I thought it would be, but I I should have known. I, I've been in a lot of recording studios, and it was just like every recording studio except all the awards and the artwork that Dre did. Like I didn't. I didn't realize until a lot later that the album, the Outcast album covers, and like all the psychedelic drawings and stuff was all was all done by Andre. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and the original pieces are in the are in the studio, and um, some of them are like they're on like cardboard with marker, you know, it's, yeah. or something. It looks like it. I don't know, maybe gouache or something, but it's not. At some point, that'll be in some museum somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, it will but it, be. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. You know, I'm walking through and I stop. Oh my god, here it is! This is that Outcast artwork. You know, it's like the psychedelic girl with the fro, and like, I was like, oh my god, this is you know. So that was that was a cool moment for me, you know, in hip hop. But I've, I've at this point, you know, I've had a lot of those. That's been. You See, know. when I was coming up with, with Strawberry Hill Gang. You mean Sugar Hill Gang? Sugar is it Sugar Hill Gang? <laughs> Strawberry Farm. Strawberry, Strawberry Hill Farm. no Boone's so Farm. Boone's Farm. Farm. That's what I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> you drink a Boone's Sugar Strawberry Hill Boone's Gang. Farm. Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were definitely probably drinking Boone's Farm at the same time. So you know what's funny? A little uh, bit of rap trivia that you may not know, but a lot of the, a lot of the bands during that time. Um, Sugar Hill Gang, in particular, was one of the bands. They were naming themselves after cocaine, and Sugar Hill was a, a theoretically a, a pile of cocaine. Makes you know, um, I heard that before LL Cool J uh, settled on LL Cool J, it was going to be LL Cool Ski because of snow. And that you know, you had snow, you had like these other artists in there. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was a, there was kind of a concentrated period when everybody was like had some kind of. Whether it was ice or snow or, or you know, I don't know, just interesting time period in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, well, you had to play gigs. You know, those gigs went on for hours, right? Yeah. I mean, you had yeah. you to get your energy from somewhere. Right? Yeah, and that's you know that is uh, that's what I heard. I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, it, I can't say any yeah. of that for a fact. I don't really know. You know, that's what somebody told me. That's what I read. Well, who inspires you? That's current. Or is there musically? Yeah, musically. Well, I, I want to say one of the questions that I that I read, you know, to preempt this interview was mm-hmm. about what do I listen to when I'm creating, um, and I find it as interesting as as other people do is that most of my favorite pieces in the, the past probably twenty years have been created while listening to one very specific album. It's Lovers Rock by Sade. I can't really explain how that started or why, but when I'm really, really like in the zone, that's the album. That's the go-to. And I, certainly, it's not the subject matter because it's all about love and sex, or maybe it is. I don't know. But it's. But I think it's. I, there's something about the the rhythm. The rhythm and the tempo is 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 like. I don't know. It's like perfect for me. I feel like 
they say, you know, years ago someone described or explained to me about how uh, music affects the body in the way that um, you've seen the people play uh, speakers under like a bowl of water or whatever. And you see these like ripples and these shapes and these incredibly intricate like patterns. And then he said, our bodies are 98% water. The same things are happening when we're listening to music. And yeah, I never thought about it. Right, way. isn't that interesting? Yeah. And he put it that way, and I, I, I thought, man, so I wonder if there's, a, there's something that happens that some kind of pattern that creates harmony for us in which we can like really focus or like really like... I think there in. definitely is. Have you ever seen when they do the resonance imaging... Mm-hmm. get a metal plate and put like um, metal shavings on there and yeah. attach an electrode to it and play certain notes at certain hertz and yeah. what the patterns make. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And it, it, water does the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's harder to get like a, a real, you know, good photo of that or whatever. But so I, people who inspire me now, I think, um, especially in, in hip hop in particular, I guess it'd be like Kendrick, of course, Tyler, the creator, is very creative. Anyone who's who's creating a persona, The Weeknd is really interesting. He's creating this like kind of. He's created a couple like trilogies, and he and he it's performance art, and there's a character, and there's a story, and. Um, I, I know of The Weeknd. You know, I know a lot about his work. I just can never. It's just this vibe that I I just can't get into it, but. Definitely Kendrick and yeah, and it's funny because I don't listen to Tyler a lot, yeah. but I'm very much enthralled by his creative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Glover is incredible. So when he's Childish Gambino, um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I'm you know I'm inspired by all of it. I mean, my favorite song in the whole world right now is Cinema Paradiso, you know, from the Italian movie. Um, I listen to it literally every single day. It's like Yo-Yo Ma and, and uh, y- you know, Chris Body. You know, it's like some very, like, I don't know, very classical kind of, you know, thing. Have you heard of Zoe King? She's a Canadian cellist. No, Check but I out. love the cello. Check so her it's... out. She's really good. I have a little Alexa um, puck. Uh-huh. And I'm constantly, when you said Yo-Yo Ma, I'm always going, Alexa, play Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Or Zoe Keaton. Zoe Keaton I'll definitely check that out but yeah I mean just anything that's and anything that has depth I think that that's uh, I think that's a really important thing to me especially when I'm creating and also when I'm looking to be inspired is that is that there's depth I think we're I think we're missing a lot of that in in today's society on the surface it's hard to find it do you ever listen to Hispanic music? Like cumbia or reggaeton or any of that? Uh, some reggaeton stuff, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being a DJ, you can't miss it. You know, like really just checking everything out. But Yeah, there's two people that I'm always, or two bands that I'm always pushing on people. Um, Lido Pimienta and Bomba Estereo. They're layered. <clears throat> Lido Pimienta, I'm probably saying it wrong, but her stuff is it's very layered. She's more of an artist. She paints, does fashion stuff. Just started a um, a production company doing videos, and um, 
check her out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have you write those down yeah, for me so I can like right check now. them out later for sure. And another thing I thought was interesting is that you're listening to Sade, which I would say is just like more chill music, but you're painting usually very fast, and you're you're it, you were saying that you execute a lot of your stuff very fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's in total contrast to a lot and of... And vibrant them. colors. Like the opposite, when I think of Sade, I think like... Tan. Candles, <laughs> yeah. moody, you know, yeah. chill yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's true. Dimmed lights and... Yeah, it's in stark contrast to what I'm actually yeah. listening to most of the time. It's cool. But you're tuning in to, you know, you're listening to, like you said, the beats, even the, the her, the tone. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just good. It's just good energy. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too. When you're painting or creating visual art, uh, do you have a studio? Where do you go to paint? Do you go outside? Do you you know? Do you have a place in your house? Do you you know? Whatever works. I mean, I, I kind of have a place in my house. It's not it's not what I want. I feel like do we all feel that way? Is everybody feeling? Oh that way? yeah. Okay. <laughs> I saw who has. Um, I I saw you're familiar with Jose Parla. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw a video on Instagram the other day of his studio, and I was just like, oh. Warehouse? It's Yeah, I mean, it's a big, empty white space, big, empty warehouse, and he's got his stuff on all the walls, you know, and then he has a loft that sits right above, so he can look down on it all, and there's like a couch and a record player, and he, he you know, produces his own music, too, and he's got some records that he made, and he's like playing it, and it plays out over the place, nice. and it's just this huge, bright, it's just, oh, that's it that's the thing that we all really want like that's the high bar goal you know just to get to a space that you could have like that to just create yeah my this, yeah my space at home is also the laundry room and like the ceiling is only you know like not it's like so high there's no light there's no windows you know it's like no natural light so it's it's kind of awful I, I work in it when i can but i actually like to work bigger than i've but then i'm able to most of the time so i'm always kind of trying to figure out and you can't you know working outside in savannah is an absolute nightmare wow, you, like yeah. bugs and heat and i mean it's just dripping sweat all over your painting yeah <clears throat> my studio there. at home uh the air conditioner that's in it, it's a window unit air uh -huh. conditioner that's not the right size for the space <laughs> in august it is just brutal it's, yeah there's no air conditioning in my st studio yeah. it's it's used to be a garage so it's like an add-on yeah 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 do you have a long-term goal to re to relocate i mean no i love my house i mean i have a long-term goal to make a better studio out of that space right, right. Of but i mean when you're talking about um access mm -hmm. you know going to a bigger city or whatever um is that just you know home base savannah and then i mean travel to now, wherever you need to go to for now that's that my wife and i have a really 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 great relationship around me traveling for work um it's it's part of the comfortable routine of like i'm gonna be gone a little bit each month and that's when you get your alone time and that's when i get my alone time traveling for me is alone time when i'm on the plane when i'm in a hotel these kinds of things is like a break from regular life i can really really hone in on whatever i'm working on whoever i'm working with and then I come back home and 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 I get to check back in and be back, you know, back in this, in my comfort zone. It's healthy, and, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because, you know, people say, well, you, you go to New York so much, you love New York, why don't you move to New York? I'm like, because I have a house and I have a car and I have 
two cats and a dog and a giant yard and have all these things and it's so comfortable and my favorite place in the whole world is home and I don't think I could afford that in New York. And I don't want to give that up. And as long as I can fly to New York for hundred bucks, hundred bucks, and get there in two hours, you know. Yeah, Savannah has a lot to offer, but if you're a creative person, as long as you have the flexibility to go other places, I mean, it's a good place to have a home base. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't mean that I like you know I would never leave for the right opportunity and the right money, that kind of thing. Certainly, you know, I would I would go wherever. I'm not. It's not like, oh, my, I, I want to die here. But I'm also just like, whatever. I don't know. Who knows? Um, oh, my, my advice to emerging artists, I think it was like, it was a question. I thought, man, you know what? Study business. <laughs> that's it. Same like, study, and that's important. I think that's super important. Study yeah. business. I, it's something I never did. And I'm still constantly like fumbling through. Like, what? Even though I had a business for 12 years with, you know god knows how many employees come and go and i still don't know what the fuck i'm doing like it's it's really valuable if you know shit if you want like i would tell i would tell if you want to make a living as an artist go to school for business and like don't worry about art school i mean no disrespect to anyone in art school but it's like if you have the desire to be a, an artist and you really, tr- and that's really truly what you're going to be. Then you're you're gonna you're gonna live your life doing that. You're not gonna you're not gonna fake it. There's a lot of st- art school students who are like, I'd like to be an artist, and I would tell them that's not how it works. It's a it's a work ethic thing. It's a it's a thing that's built into you, and you're either gonna be it or you're not, no matter whether you go to school or not. So if you could. Learn how to manage your money. Yeah. Learn how to market yourself. Yeah. Uh, what would the what other things are taught in business school? That's what I'm left out. The art of negotiation. I mean, because yeah. we we should be better at negotiating. We should be better at standing up for what we uh, deserve, what we have earned. You know, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to delve into that old like uh, Picasso adage about it took me my whole life to get here, but but truly inventing and accepting our own value and and sticking with that is really important you know it's like someone told me years ago um uh david ellis is a is a muralist and a painter and and uh he had they had worked together and he said he was asking him this guy was was my age and david was older and he told me they were having a conversation he said you know david told him one day he just woke up and was like i just don't want to I just don't want to make this anymore. I'm now, from now on, I want to be worth this. And he just started saying no to every single thing that wasn't that, wasn't on the level. And that's that can be really scary, but with a little bit of business knowledge, in business school, they help you to wrap your head around how that works economically and why that, and, and why it's okay to do that. I think as artists, that's almost more important than running the business. I mean, obviously that's important as far as the marketing goes and that kind of thing. But you're you're talking to a gallery who's going to, at minimum, take 50%, right? If that's the way you choose to, to market your artwork. So 
I think that's a very important thing to know is to realize what your worth is mm-hmm. and to be able to say no. And that's hard for artists. You know, you have somebody who wants to buy your work and you're like, yeah, awesome. How much? Like 50 bucks. And like, oh, yeah, you know, it cost me more than that to buy the supplies to make the thing. But then you're so excited that you're going to sell it to somebody. And that's the way a lot of it works when you, and you know, that may have to be that way when you first start out, but just to eventually you got, you have to realize what your time and effort is worth. Well, a lot of us create because a lot of us create because the feeling of being valued is important to us for whatever reason, probably trauma. But so the feeling of being valued is often where everything begins and ends with us. And then we have to turn on, oh, but we also need to make a living. So when someone says, I want what, you, what you've created because it, it touched me or I like it or whatever it is, we're often so malleable at that point because they've given us the thing that we truly want, which is, is to be seen and to, or to be heard and to be valued for what we have created. Now we have to go into, okay, is it, but it, is it worth it for me? How can I you know, make sure that I make a living? And how do I continue to maintain that? How do I get taken seriously? I think that that's something I've been playing around with in Savannah is like um, challenging this, the, the value and the seriousness of what you do. And sometimes it's making a statement to maybe even at the risk of not selling in order to let people know uh, this is where I think I'm at and that I think this is important for me, you know? And I hope you still love it and want to find value in it at, at the value that, I, that I, I need to make a living. That's important. To tie it back to the conversation, being in the room, knowing your, your worth in that room, if it's not, if you're not, if you're in the wrong room, then you just keep yeah. Yeah. trying to find the right conversation, right? Yeah, but don't come down. Don't come down right. to the room. And that's, and that's a really, that's what I see young people do a lot. They're like, oh, you know, I want to be in this, I want to work with this person. I want to. Then you find out this person's a bad person and they don't want to pay you anything. Or they're taking advantage. Or they're taking advantage of you. Uh, and younger person or more naive or, or more easily manipulated might go well, I guess make still I'm still gonna be this or figure out how to make this person happy but at the end of the day that's not gonna get you anywhere because what we're all seeking is how to make us happy eventually yeah, you know know your worth yes yeah, so I, I recently did a piece for a show um, it was a, it was a skateboard like painting show and I, I, I was really happy with the piece. I, I put a lot of work into it, and um, I did some, some, you know, put some extra elbow grease into this project, and I put a really high price tag on it on purpose. And when I, when I presented it to the event, they said, they said okay, how much, is this, how much is this painting? And I said, it's 1000 And they said, oh, well, you know, like, all the rest of these boards are going to be about 200. And I said, yeah, it's a thousand. And she says, is that where you want to start? And I said, do you think it should be higher? <laughs> and, and she wasn't being disrespectful or anything. And I said, I said, something that I want to explain about a lot of my work is, and some of the work in this room 
is I, um, the context or the content of a lot of my work is about capitalism. It's about, um, it's about consumerism. It's about the world in which we live and thrive and try to, and try to exist. Social media, uh, personal branding, personal, all these things. This piece in particular was about that. And so I wanted the price to reflect the point. She said, well, you might not sell it. And I was like, that's fine. What I want, I want it all to be all inclusive here. So if people are like, oh, what the fuck? What a crazy price. Okay, that's fine. Maybe, they'll, maybe they're going to look at the art longer. Why is why this, is so why is this yeah. one, you know, literally eight times more than all the rest of the pieces? Mm -hmm. What is, why does this person, or why does this person think that they're, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a tough place to be because then also like we're a small community. So I don't want people to be like, man, this guy thinks he's. You're unapproachable or people can't even get your work because it's so expensive or whatever. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't want to be that, but also. I don't want to be too approachable. I don't want people to be like, well, you know, you can always go down and pick up a piece for whatever. Not to knock anyone who's doing that because I think that that's, that's a really valuable uh, thing as well. But I'm, my story is different. I'm telling something, I'm telling something different. Yeah, that was directly relatable to the work that you're producing as well. Yeah, and the content. And, the, and I, I want people to, I want to challenge people to think about what I'm making instead of, Oh, that's a cool-looking skateboard. I think I'll buy it for a hundred bucks. I want them to be like, "Why does this guy think what he painted on the skateboard is worth a thousand dollars?" It's a skateboard. It's because I want you to start thinking about what I'm trying to say. And if you can't get it, and I can't sell it, and you don't understand it, and you never even spent any time thinking about it, that helps me to be a better artist because I go back and say, "How can I be? How can I tell the story better? How can I create something?" even more suggestive that makes you go, oh, I'm starting to feel like this guy has a point here instead of this decorative thing or whatever. And that's, that's really, you know, so if it has to be, if it has to turn this person off for this person to turn, to get turned on and get into it, we have, I have to be able to do that. And also maybe it helps the rest of the community because I'm not saying I'm like changing the game or anything like that, but if we all start to go, yeah, you can't just get all my paintings for a hundred bucks. I spent a week on it. Yeah. Nobody, nobody lives off a hundred dollars a week, you know, then maybe everybody starts to go, oh man, yeah, Savannah's like, that's a really, cause what they're saying now, Savannah's a great little art town, but they don't say it with that kind of respect. That's like, Savannah's like the place. Like people are really, there's some artists here that are really like challenging. Like you would see it in Chicago or LA or like bigger cities or Atlanta, yeah, or Miami or whatever. Yeah, and I, I, I like I said, it's just, it's just for me. I think yeah. that for me, I, I, I want to, I want to be challenging. I want people to ask questions. That's the that's success to me. Success to me is really somebody sitting down and going, okay, man, why? What's happening here? What is all this? That's the real dream. It's for people to want to know. I don't. So you're making the work, but you're also able to speak about it, which is I appreciate that too. Like you're, yeah, you're not making just pretty paintings or you know beautiful work. You're also able to. But I'm also drive the bus and the narrative that you want to share. It's 
but, but I'm always trying to figure out how to how to continue to, to tell that narrative because you know I might make a piece that you know for a while so in this piece up here if you kind of zoom out you see like a big you know there's a the the big green circle there mm -hmm. is inspired by um, you guys might be old enough to remember the uh, Mr. Yuck stickers that your, our parents used to stick on everything you're not supposed to eat and they had the poison control uh, phone number on them and and starting probably back in 2017 18 I, I started creating a ton of imagery based on this mr yuck stickers because i was thinking a lot about consumption and capitalism and the and those stickers represent literally do not consume this product you put it on something you're not supposed to consume and i was thinking about how we spend all day consuming social media we consume and then we become you know this kind of regurgitation of what we consume and i was thinking about I was thinking about pop culture, and I was thinking about iconography and branding, and and how those how all those things like play a role in what we buy, and and how how being a great commercial artist is is being an integral part of capitalism, because Coca Cola, Walmart, none of that would be anything they, that they are without good branding. Mm -hmm good marketing, good creative minds behind that. So the duality of being a part of a problem, especially if you're really good at what you do, is is certainly a conundrum for people in the, in a creative space. So a lot of my work is a is about that. It's about uh, trying to navigate that and um, ego and the id and the subconscious and that kind of thing. You'll see a reoccurring like um, loose abstraction of like the uh, Disney duck uh, beak and you know, some of my other work and my watercolor stuff you see that and, and that was about there's this subconscious thing that I could create the weirdest most bizarre thing that, that put the duck lips on and it put the duck lips on it and, and you may not really immediately identify it as that's a Donald Duck mouth but you may subconsciously because that's one of the things that's been most deeply ingrained into at least American culture and so I was playing a little bit with with putting these these elements in that we can connect to and the duck mouth also represents the duck face made when making the selfie uh, like all the we used to call it duck face the girls would do like the you know and it's and the duck face represents the 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 way we contort ourselves to represent. So th there's so many elements here that I'm that I'm that I want people to know about, and I, I'm constantly trying to figure out more ways of of, of uh, letting people and teaching people to understand what's what's going on there. And and I I think there's so much more value to be found in the discussion of what the artwork is about as opposed to the the surface value of just like, well, that's cool. Well, I also think that you setting up parameters for yourself, I mean, you you know what you're not going to um, bow to, right? You you set up this these um, rules that, you know, you know what your worth is. You know, you're going to put things out there based on what you think um, – you know your time is worth and i think that's a good thing no matter what it is for other artists beginning you know whether they're emerging artists or not is to at least think about where their art is in context to to what they you know if they're selling it what they're what they have to do to, to make a living 
and and stick to those parameters and not be so overwhelmed by the fact that somebody actually wants your work to undervalue it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's another thing, you know, another part of just the, that ever-changing, you know, like I may feel a different way next week, but, and it's, it's, it's certainly the deepest part of the fear associated with that is like, I don't want people to be like, who does this asshole think he is? Uh, because it's not about that. It, it, it never has been and it never will be. But if I'm not challenging anyone, then I'm not being disruptive in any way. And that's not bringing me any satisfaction. I'm, I'm not happy unless I'm, I'm, I'm challenging the norms or disrupting something that exists that feels, uh, I don't know, like lazy or simple or, or you know, whatever to me. So I'm, maybe I'm always kind of taking the long way to to figure out how to be disruptive but that's that's the point you know so if somebody says oh my god this is this is crazy it's it's about trying to push those those out and there's a there's fear associated with it you know i know it's like but it's also like maybe i'll maybe i won't ever know really how anybody feels you know that's part of your practice you know that's what makes art interesting to you right pushing buttons or at least pushing the boundaries i should say yeah because it's not about i think a lot of times when you say disruptive it it, it can not disruptive just to be disruptive right you're pushing boundaries because that's where your interest lies yeah 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 because i i think a lot of people associate disruption with you know uh disrespect and although sometimes you know i may disrespect certain things it's not that's not what my nature as an artist is. My nature is to disrupt the social norms of, you know, what it can be or what it has been and, and, you know, what it could be, you know. That's what makes good art, pushing those boundaries. I think. It can. <laughs> yeah. I think, it doesn't always, yeah. but it can. And I, I want to say one more thing that is like, um, before we wrap, because I'm kind of, I think I'm starting to get applesauce brain. But... Um, I watched uh, Birdman last night. I don't know if you guys seen that, but it's a couple years old. It was the you know, Michael Keaton movie that won the awards and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, it was so inspiring to me. Um, I don't think I've seen it. I, I check it out. I can't explain to you exactly what all the metaphors were and what, ex- what, what, what everything was going on there, but one of the most valuable things I took away from it and that has helped me today and I thought that I would bring to this podcast was that there was a bit of the story that was like dealt with how small we really are and how insignificant we are as artists or creators or in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that we're really only as important as we feel we are, which is, which has value. And I think that that's, I think that's important. Like the value of how, of how important you think your brain is and your creative uh, career or your creative product is, that has value but it's not it's 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 not grandiose it's not as big as the universe or the planets or the world or whatever it is so what i took away from that which i which was really exciting is that once i once you can kind of settle into that and go wow that's that's it's really profound to realize how unimportant a lot of that stuff is to everyone else that 
basically as a professional artist, anything that you're not getting paid for should be absolute, or until you get paid for it, should be absolutely the wildest, loudest, most ridiculous expression of everything that you can possibly put out there that you, that you can conjure up. It's like, if no one's paying you yet, why on any level should you be subdued at all? And so that's kind of like, at the end of the night, I was like, wow, man, what, what, what makes me uncomfortable about creating anything that isn't already commissioned or I'm not already being paid for? And what keeps me from being absolutely the most outrageous character that I've ever seen during that time? And, and, and until, you know, and, and maybe that becomes, maybe we wake up one day and we're like, oh, that was, that was the thing. Letting go of all that was I'm like... I'm constantly putting parameters or, oh, you can't do that. And it's all, it's... Uh, why am I doing that? You know, a, there's a lot of ingrained um, biases that you put in on yourself right. that you forget about, and that's that's good advice. 100%, Just, if nobody's really buying, you know, if you're not doing it for a commission, nobody's telling you what to do. It's like as a graphic designer or even a creative director, you're going, you're you're making something for somebody else specifically based on what they're asking you to do, but as a as a creative person in your own respect, you do whatever you want. And it should be not only whatever you want, but literally every single, like all of it, all that you could possibly put out there, it should be that. And you may find, you may wake up one day and find that now that's what people want to pay you for because you've finally tapped into the truest essence of, of who you are as a creative and you can finally show that to people. But not until you can say, this it doesn't matter so this should be absolutely ridiculous in in whatever that means to you whether it's totally perfectly beautiful or complete just shit i don't know whatever it is it should be just no rules and no parameters and no like no boundaries to that i love it yeah that's good advice it's good to think about and keep in mind when you're creating yeah i like it cool i don't think we can top that no no you did it (laughs) That and Mr. Yuck. I'm yeah. staring at it now. I can't not see it. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, if you haven't looked, uh, um, check out the 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 paper section of my uh, website on JimmyButcher.com. Is like a lot of my paper works. Okay. And you'll see a lot of that like yuck face, the yuck face and the duck face, the yeah. yuck duck. You got yuck duck right there. Yeah. And yuck duck looks like he has a mustache too. Just. Yeah. Well, that's the frown. That's the frown from the from the yuck face ah, yeah I see the big tongue coming down now from I see the, the axis for the eyes too yeah. yeah yeah so all right I think that's a good place to stop yeah yeah Thanks. Great. all right man thank you my appreciate pleasure. it I appreciate that you've been pretty honest and open about you know where you're at and where you fit in the art community and a lot of the things that you were saying resonate to kind of the path that I'm on so um I think thank you very much for letting us spend some time with you and I look forward to hearing more about your work and your you know what's going on in a couple of years. Yeah, thank you very much for letting us come in and um you know we hope we look forward to catching up with you again hopefully in the near future. For sure. Uh, I hope I didn't shanghai the whole thing too much and No, this is great. No. Perfect. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to have anybody interviewed or if you have any questions or comments, please hit us up on Instagram at the10frame. Thank <laughs> you.